0: All right. Well, we want to welcome everyone here this morning. I wanted to, could we turn down just a little bit? I'm a little hot up here. I wanted to let everyone know that um, if if it starts raining uh, this afternoon, we'll probably go ahead and cancel our life group, too, because I wasn't aware that it was going to turn like this, so uh, we don't want anybody having a, a dangerous run out here tonight, but if it clears up, sometimes the weatherman's wrong, But uh, so we're going to go ahead and leave it open, but if it starts raining and freezing, we'll just go ahead and cancel our life group at our home. Uh, we love life groups, by the way, we just love the fellowship, but we don't want to put anybody in a precarious situation, amen. How many of you felt the Lord this morning just kind of breathe upon us, and I... Really, really sense the, the Holy Spirit um, was just hovering over our, our lives here today. And, uh, you know, the Lord was as really appreciated uh, Brother Vince's word today just on the majesty and the greatness and the glory of the Lord. Uh, and, you know, as, as Vince was sharing, about the majesty of the Lord and how great, and it just shows us his awesomeness and his greatness. And as Vince was sharing, the Lord was just kind of speaking to me, the reason why I created the universe and the reason why I display my glory is because you are so precious to him. And the Lord's, you know, the Bible says that he makes all things beautiful. And you know, the reason why he makes all things beautiful is because he wants you to behold the glory and the splendor, not only of the beauty of creation, but to understand that his love and his power is truly infinite and unending. And the thing also, folks, is the Lord wants you to understand how precious how important you are. We we might seem like just a a micro speck in this universe, but you are so precious to him. You are so important to him. And he values you so much. And when when we read in the Psalms, in Psalms 139, where It says He knows the hairs on our head. He knows when we rise, when we sit down. He knows every syllable, every word that proceeds out of our mouth. He knows us that intimately. And the one thing that I I really sense the Lord desiring to do, He wants to draw close to us. really wants to speak to us. He wants to... Elevate your life. Elevate your vision. He wants to really empower you this morning. There's, there's some things I want to just kind of move out in a, in a word of knowledge on here. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> uh, first of all, the Lord impressed on me in prayer this morning that someone is struggling with an infection in your tongue. Does someone have an infection on their tongue or in their tongue. The Lord just wants to. Touch your mouth and just alleviate that. If that's you this morning, just want to speak healing in Jesus' name. Amen. In your mouth. I just The Lord just impressed that just someone has been struggling with an infection in their tongue. And I don't know anything more than that on that. And then the second thing was the issue of a... Uh, P- pancreas issue and pancreas imbalance, the Lord wants to bring just a healing in the area of the pancreas if someone is under medication for that. Does anybody have that issue with the pancreas this morning? okay I just felt like the Lord just speak that he wants to touch you in that area and he wants to bring balance wants to bring healing. And I want to just pray for you, sister. Father, we just thank you that you're a God who heals. You're a God, first of all, who knows. And we just, we speak the power of Jesus' name in that area of her body and the pancreas. We, we We just speak right now, healing to her physical body and strength. And Lord, just let her body come into divine alignment this morning. Lord, we thank you that you're, 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 the, you're the Lord. You're the Lord God who heals us and delivers us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We give you praise. There's another another couple things. Does the number 1324 mean anything to anybody? 1324. 1324. 1324. 1324. Okay, you can think about that. The Lord spoke to me about this number, 1324. I don't know if it's an address. I don't know if it's the end of a phone number. I don't know if it's something to do with someone's um, social security number. But here's the thing. The Lord wants to get very specific with you. And there's been specific things you've been bringing to the Lord and as I was waiting before the Lord, 1324, uh, it was just uh, a word that he laid on my heart about that number. Now, I want to tell you, folks, don't, don't be afraid. I'm not going to call you out and embarrass anybody. You know what I get? This is what happens. I'll, I'll move out in these prophetic words, and nobody comes to me until after the service. Pastor, I didn't want to raise my hand because you were talking about it. I, I, we, we we don't do things to embarrass people. But the Lord does allow in public meetings like that to confirm his word to you for, the, for this purpose, is to let you know that he knows where you're at and he knows what you're walking through. And the last thing is this, was um, someone has been wrestling and walking through some severe depression. And I I felt like the Lord wanted me to just speak into that, that Jesus is the living water, and Jesus comes to offer you living water, and that if you've been going through some severe depression, it's just been like you've been in a dark cave, the Lord wants to break that stronghold off your life, And he's going to bring, and the one thing in this word here, I saw rainbows over your life. And God just bringing color, bringing life, and just breaking that darkness and depression off you in Jesus' name. So I want to just pray, whoever that might be, because, you know, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Do you believe that? Don't don't we serve an amazing Savior? He really is an amazing God. (laughs) Father, we just, first of all, Lord, we thank you that you're a father. And Lord, you don't give us stones or scorpions. You don't trick us. Lord, you give us things. You give us living bread. You give us life. Father, you look at your children. You look at your people and they're precious in your sight. You gave your life because they were precious to you. And Lord, we thank you that you place great value upon our lives. You gave your life. You died for us so that we might be raised in righteousness, raised in glory. So, Father, we thank you for your loving kindness that you crown us with. We thank you for the hope that you give. And I, I just speak to those this morning that, that might be walking through those seasons where they're, 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 they've been in seasons of depression, just under just such a clouds in their own mind. And we just we speak into that life, and we speak into their heart and mind. And Father, we just pray right now that vision and life and promise, Lord, would come right into their heart this morning. Lord, we just speak resurrection power that comes through the mention of that name. And Lord, even in the face of satanic bombardment and every lie of the enemy, Lord, we lift our hands to give you praise and glory this morning. You're the God of breakthrough. You're the God who sees the end from the beginning. And you're a God who, Lord, who promises, Lord, that he who has begun a good work will bring it to completion in Jesus' name. We thank you for the promise of your covenant, Lord. And we receive that in Jesus' name. And can everyone say? Amen. 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 You know, how many of you believe that miracles are the norm for every believer? Miracles are the norm. It's the way of life. And we expect that. He wants you to know that you are not just a normal, natural man and woman. You are supernatural. Amen. And you're to expect, you're expect the best. Because we have an awesome God, don't we? I want you to jump with me in your Bibles this morning for a few minutes. I'm going to, on my series on the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to be talking to you today about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I know that this subject, living here in the Bible Belt in Dallas, Texas, I know this has been a controversial, very divisive subject. I have talked to numerous uh, numbers of people who have been afraid of such a subject like this. And many people have been told that it's weird and it's strange. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is not weird. People are weird. But the Holy Ghost is not weird. He's very normal He's very awesome and his desire and his plan is to elevate your life. And one of the things if one of the reasons we need to understand the battle behind all of the issues about the baptism is the devil understands that anytime anybody is filled with power and filled with the presence of God that individual becomes a threat to the powers of darkness. And if you were the devil and you knew that you were threatened by believers who were baptized in the name and filled with Holy Ghost power, the number one thing you got to do if you were the devil is you need to strike at the character. You need to strike at the very thing and somehow destroy its credibility. You must attack the credibility of those who are spirit-filled. Because if you can somehow create confusion, the devil is the author of confusion. He is one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy, and destroy the credibility. And that's, that's his job. He would love the church to just somehow believe that the Holy Spirit in the days of power and the days of God's glory are in the past. It's not for today. He would love the church to go to sleep. He loves the church to somehow have this doctrine of believing that all we're doing is just waiting around for the rapture. Oh, God, get us out of this horrible planet, oh Lord, and deliver us and take us home to glory. That's that's the mindset of a lot of people today. That's not what Jesus had intended for the church. Jesus' prayer was thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God intends for you to be so ignited, so on fire, so empowered with the very Holy Spirit that your words, your life, the very influence of your life affects people around you. You are to turn this world upside down. Jesus said, you are the salt and the light of the world. And apart from the Holy Spirit, that can't happen. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people, are sad to say that they, they, they've come to believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit just, and I've heard many people say this, that they, they associate the baptism and, 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 and you'll ask people, are you spirit-filled? And you know what they think when, they, when you ask the question, they think this, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a contemporary Christian. Now being spirit-filled doesn't mean you're contemporary. It doesn't mean, well, we sing upbeat songs and we're Christian rock and rollers. That's what a lot of people think that being spirit-filled is, and we're more contemporary. We're not traditional. We're spirit-filled. Some people think that being spirit-filled means that we're just a little more emotional. That does not mean you're spirit-filled either, is that you're more more emotional. We're we're not emotional. Yeah, we we do believe in the joy of the Lord. Yes, we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to affect our emotions. How many of you know that the opposite of depression... I mean, you know what depression is? Depression means non-emotional. Depression means you're flatlined. You're depressed. And the world would love the church and love to think that the church is depressed, unemotional. But by God, we can go to a Mavericks game, a Cowboys game. We can get all emotional. Man, we can pull our t-shirts off and paint our bodies blue and look weird and crazy and be all radical for the Dallas Cowboys. But by God, we can't get emotional in the house of God. You see, for for some reason, the devil has painted a picture that the church is flatlined, it's boring, it's dull, it's just a traditional regimented kind of a lifeless Insignificant, out of touch with society, kind of group of people. Joe Sixpack out here looks at new life in any other church, and they wonder what in the world of those guys—they they sure don't have life. We've got life. That's what they think. They think that life is getting stoned, getting drunk, and you know, going to Las Vegas, Sin City, and you know, betting all your money. They think they think that's life. That's unfortunate. That's not life. It just leads to more depression, actually. But you know what is so amazing about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit helps you to experience abundant life. Jesus comes he says, I come that you might have life. Everyone say life. Life. God wants you to have life. Abundant life. Fulfilling life. He wants that kind of life that's so, so p- empowered in your marriage that you never get tired of your marriage. But my, I've been married to my wife for 36 years, and it gets better. Amen. My wife is hotter than ever. She's better than ever. She's sweeter than ever. She is an awesome woman, and it's the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you something. I'm excited about my wife. I'm excited about my kids. It doesn't get worse. It gets better. God makes you better. It's called a better covenant for that reason. And so when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an upgrade. It's an elevated. It's a promotion. It's taking you up and out and over the top. Amen. And you see, God wants that kind of life. When when your life... As a light that is shining is to be something that draws people to ask questions. For instance, maybe in your break room when everyone else is gossiping and tearing down your employment and gossiping and slandering the boss. And maybe you were overlooked on a promotion, but for some reason there's something inside of you that just kind of bubbles over and it's the hope and it's the life of God and you're the kind of an individual that, that really recognizes that all things are working together for good and no weapon formed against you can prosper because you are anointed. You are empowered. There's something inside of you that is boiling and bubbling over. And it's the life of God that has been working in your spirit because of that relationship. It's because of that living bread and that living water that you've been drinking from. And you're not eating out of the cesspool of the society that that offers what it offers. But you've been drinking from the living wells, the living springs of His presence. And there's been something that's been cleansing and building and strengthening and empowering your vision and transforming your mind. And it's beginning to open your eyes to something that's so much bigger than what this world has to offer. There's something powerful about people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They don't pray dead prayers. The first thing that happens when you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost is that God touches your mouth. Why was it on the day of Pentecost? It said that oven tongues of fire rested upon and there was a language. It wasn't just babbling on an unknown tongue. There was a there was a, the language of heaven that was declaring the glory of God and the majesty of Jesus and a hope for a hopeless generation. It began to bore out in the fact that they became natural to supernatural prophetic individuals instead of cowards and hiding in fear peter came out and he was bold as a lion, and he said this is not what you think it is but this is that which was spoken of by the prophet joel that i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy old men dream dreams and young men have visions praise god there's hope for me amen you see when, when the holy spirit is on you there is fire in you it said that when jesus was baptized in the jordan river and he came out of the water it says the heavens were open and jesus being the firstborn among many that means he is the firstborn among many and that many is you heavens were open and he said he saw the spirit descending You see, not only are the heavens open, which means we have access to everything that Jesus had access to. That means you have access to that authority. The apostle Paul refers to it as being blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. In other words, when your eyes have been opened and your heart has been quickened and your mind has been transformed by the power of this new life, your values change, your relationship changes, your vision changes, people may look at you a little strange. Now, I know some people have told me this. You know, Pastor, I'm so darn scared of getting baptized. I'm afraid that I'm going to be standing in Walmart and all of a sudden I'm just going to fall on the floor and I'm just going to start speaking in tongues. And everybody's going to think I'm a weirdo. Let me announce that is not going to happen. That's another one of the devil's tricks to make you think you're going to look dumb, stupid, and weird and crazy. Now, that's not going to happen. The Bible says in Corinthians 14, it says the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and take over your mind and your body and you're going to start doing weirdness. Well, pastor, I've seen people fall out under the power of the Holy Spirit. What about that? Well, you know what? You can fight that too. You, yes, there, there's times where people fall under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's even scriptural. You find that in Revelations chapter 1, for instance, it says when John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and he saw the vision of Jesus sitting on his throne. The Bible says that he fell prostrate on the floor. He fell forward. That there, there, there is a manifestation. There is a response that can happen to people because of God's glory and God's presence. It can cause there to be weakness even in the body. Your your presence or your body can be affected by the presence of the Lord. Now, now, God wants to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. God wants to put fire in us. Let me tell you what the fire is all about. Remember what John said. Let's, in fact, let's just go ahead and read it. in Matthew chapter 3. This is, this is the, the first account concerning the baptism. And it came, came out of the mouth of John the Baptist. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3. John, as at the Jordan, Jesus had not yet come. But they were asking, John, if you were the one, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah that is coming? And John begins to answer. And he said, verse 11, Matthew three eleven. I indeed baptize you with water to repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Everyone say fire. How many of you want fire this morning? God wants to baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. He wants to make you hot. He wants to increase your awareness of His holy presence. His winnowing fan will be in His hand and He will thoroughly clean out the threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up. Everyone say, burn up. It's called the spirit of burning. Have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're burning with passion? There's something burning inside. You can't even, you can't even explain it. But there's just something that's deep something that's real something inside that burns inside him and it's it's his, it's his presence it's the same power it's 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 his it's his glory that so marks you you're a marked man marked woman you're a changed man because you've seen the glory of the lord you've been marked and it's something burning you're burning with conviction there's a burning with passion there's there's something burning inside and and what that burning turns into is a is a godly love and attraction for righteousness but at the same time that burning is a godly hatred for sin there's something burning it's something that that burns and and at times you even lose your appetite at times it it, it, it creates within you such a fervency and a love for the Lord and and a passion for people. There's been times where there's been times in my own life where the Lord's just by the power of the Holy Spirit just put such a passion in my heart for people, and I can't even talk about it. I can't even say it, but it's just a passion for souls, a passion for people. It's the spirit of the living God resting upon you and the spirit of intercession comes upon you and you begin to intercede and you begin to pray for your nation. You pray for your neighbors. You pray for the church. It's the power of the Holy Spirit as, it, as He's beginning to put the same witness in your spirit, and you stand in the gap, and you intercede, and you call out upon the Lord. And all of a sudden, God begins to open your mind and your heart. It gives you prophetic wisdom and understanding that is not natural, it is supernatural. I'll never forget the first time I was baptized. I came home from youth camp. As a high school young man, came home and I went to. I was a freshman sophomore in high school, and I remember going to Hood River Valley High School. That was right after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I had a locker partner, and his name was Ron Ewers, the first person that I came in contact with after being baptized. Ron Ewers. And I remember when I came into. Uh, we, the, Our school at the time, because of the amount of young people and kids in our school, they we had to double up with what we call locker partners. We had to have partners in our locker because our school didn't have enough lockers. And I remember God put me with this young guy. His name was Ron, and I come to find out he was a adopted young man. His parents gave him up at birth. And he was adopted. In fact, he became the uh, stepson of one of the math teachers that was in the high school there. His, his stepfather was a very secular individual, definitely anti-God. But, but Ron Ewers, when he, him and I came in contact, we kind of connected. But when he found out that I was a Christian, <clears throat> the first thing he began to do is start mock Christianity. He began to make fun. And uh, the Lord began to just put on my heart just to pray for Ron, just to pray for him, lift him up in prayer. And uh, we were in the library. We were. It was during one of my break periods, and I was at school in break, break period, and uh, the Lord gave me a prophetic word. At the time, I didn't know anything about him. But the Lord spoke to me, says, God is going to do two things for you, Ron, this year. God's going to reach down and he's going to remove the deep sense of bitterness and anger that you had. I didn't know at that time, at that time, because I'd just gotten to know him, but I didn't know he was adopted. But there was anger and resentment because he was adopted. His parents gave him up. The Lord gave me a word. I said, God's going to remove, going to reach into your heart. He's going to replace the anger, resentment, and bitterness with his love. And the second thing the Lord revealed to me about Ron was God's going to break the bondage. There was bondage in his life. At the time, Ron had been smoking pot for two years. He'd gotten introduced to pot when he was in the eighth grade. He was smoking pot, and he idolized it. He loved pot. And he couldn't live without it. He just thought about it. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking to him across the table, And I said, Ron, would you mind if I pray for you? And he said, why? He says, I'm going to pray that God will take the love for pot. Now, he wasn't even saved yet. I asked him if I could pray for him. He says, "Rap, well, sure. Because he, he, he did know, he recognized he had a problem. The interesting thing happened. The very next day, he comes up to me early in the morning. We just got at school. He says, I don't know what your prayers did, but last night I tried to smoke a joint and I started vomiting. I never vomit when I smoke pot. I get high. I can't get high. What did you do? I said, I just asked the Holy Spirit to take the desire and remove and destroy that. He says, every time I'm around the smell, it makes me sick. What did you do? How many of you know the Holy Spirit can do that yes. within three months from that testimony, I led Ron to the Lord by the way, not only did he come to Jesus, but God delivered him from epilepsy. He had an epileptic problem <clears throat> I should say no, no that, not totally. let me say this is the epileptic seizures reduced quite considerably he wasn 't totally free, but he was It it came down considerably, but it got saved and that guy just totally turned around. It was amazing what God, that was my first experience in witnessing to someone who did not know the Lord. God delivered him from pot, the desire, put a nauseousness in his life. And he came and he found out that when he first began to discover that God was his father, there was a scripture I gave to Ron And it was this, that when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take him up. God began to transform his mind and his heart and begin to set him on a course towards blessing. He became one of the most powerful witnesses in our Bible study at that time. That was an amazing thing. That was my first experience and first encounter in helping bring someone to the Lord when I was in high school. And by the way, folks, do you know what? It is a real trip when you've got the Holy Ghost. I mean, God wants to do some amazing things in your life. How many of you believe that we need to have the Holy Ghost? So God wants to use you in ways to bring people to recognize how awesome God is. Amen. But notice what he says here. That the Holy Spirit is going to come to you in the form of fire. And he's going to burn. He's going to clean out. He's going to gather his wheat into his barn. Is he going to burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire? It is this fire that has to do. Fire in the Bible is connected to that which sanctifies and consecrates. God's presence so consecrates your life. It's not something you do, but that fire that burns puts such a conviction in you that you cannot go back to the way you used to be. Amen. How many of you know it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. Jump with me to Acts chapter two. I need to move really quickly here because I want us to see some things. This is an account. First of all, <clears throat> there are people today that would like you to think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for today. Jump with me to Acts two thirty nine, Acts two thirty nine. Notice what the Bible says. This is Peter as he's preaching the gospel at the day of Pentecost on Solomon's porch. And he says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off. Aren't you thankful that it wasn't just for that generation? In other words, what Peter is saying is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not just for today, it's generational. It's going to go to the next generation and to the next generation and to all that are are afar off. There are people that are so away from God. There are people today that are so distant from the Lord. God says, I'm going to reach them. I'm going to find them. That promise is for them. And to as many as the Lord our God will call. How many here have ever been called by the presence, the spirit of the Lord? By the way, you know, when God puts his hand on you, you can't shake it. When God puts his hand on you, let me tell you something. You can try to go into the world and try to find happiness in things and people and relationships. You can try to find it in drugs, money. You can try to find it in pleasure. You will never find it anywhere because his hand is on you. When his hand is on you, guess what? You're never satisfied until you respond and you yield to him. Then and only then do you know his hand is on you. Jump back with me to Acts chapter 2. It says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all in one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and there appeared to them divided tongues as fire sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And down, as you come on down, it says that, and those dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, verse 6, and when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Then they all were amazed and marveled, saying, look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And as you go on down the Scripture, And then it says that some were perplexed, verse 12, many were amazed, verse 13, it even says that others even mocked. Let me just tell you right now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with a price. When you become more like God, the more you draw close to the Lord, it's going to draw some persecution. Paul said to Timothy one day in 1 Timothy 4, he says, All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now you may say, oh, Pastor, I don't want to lose any friends, and I don't want to look weird. Well, I would ask you this question Are you really saved? I, I, I want to tell you something. When I gave my heart to the Lord years ago, it cost me. I remember when I was in high school, and I began to be a witness for the Lord. There were some guys that went around and said, Hey, Ray is gay, because I chose to keep myself for my wife. And it was because the Holy Spirit. It wasn't because I was holier than they were. It's because the Holy Spirit puts... Inside of you, the Holy Spirit puts a desire to consecrate your body. You begin to realize that my body is no longer my own. It is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I do not want to defile my body. It's not that I'm holier than you. It's not that I'm better than you. The Holy Ghost begins to bear witness in you that you belong to Him and everything I do in my body wants to glorify Him. I never want my body to be given to any kind of decisions or make any plans or any kind of actions that would somehow forfeit or jeopardize the peace of God god's presence so the holy spirit is really loud he's really strong and he will let you know it's called a conscience how many here have a conscience the holy spirit will man sometimes he's screaming he he's pretty strong he'll let you know that's not a good way to go or no that's the right way to go Jesus said when the Holy Spirit, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And if I go away, I will send the Comforter unto you. And when he comes, he will do three things. He will convince or convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I used to think that that meant that the Holy Spirit was going to tell me how bad I was and how short I have fallen and how angry God was at me. I used to read that scripture like that, that I was under judgment, I'm a really bad sinner, and I just don't seem to make the mark. That's the way I used to think it. Finally, the Holy Spirit said, Ray, you are not reading this the right way. When the Bible says he comes to convince the world of sin, what he's saying is you need a savior. What he's trying to say is you need a Savior and you cannot save yourself. You need one who loves you, who's died for you, who's paid and made an atonement for you. And he wants you to know that he is available. And though there was sin and the law was given to bring us to Christ. It was not intended to rub your sin in your face and to condemn you. The purpose of the law was to be a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to help us and to recognize how wonderful a Savior we have. The second thing the Holy Spirit will do is convince you of righteousness. Do you know he's not there just to tell you that you need a Savior, but he wants to convince you that you're right. Have you ever? Can you imagine the Holy Spirit telling you how right you are? He wants to let you know that you're in right standing. He wants you to let you know that you're under the favor of God. See, when it says He comes to convince you of righteousness, what He's trying to do is He's trying to let you know you're under His favor. He wants you to know that you're walking in the right path. He wants you to know that the favor and the acceptable year of the Lord is the dispensation that you are living in and that you live with the smile of God. You live with open heavens. In other words, to live knowing that you are the righteousness of God. You are no longer a sinner. Listen to me. You are no longer sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner saved by grace anymore. You're not a slave. You're sons and daughters of the King. The Bible says in Revelations chapter 1 that because of the blood of Jesus, He has made us kings and priests unto our God. In fact, do you know that His Holy Spirit inside of you has done such a complete work that the Bible says that He who is born again, born in faith, cannot sin. First John chapter three. Well, pastor away. Well, what, what? Time out. Whoa, whoa, hold it. What do you mean we cannot sin? Are, are you saying that we're not capable? Yes. If you want to go out and willfully with intent go out and screw your life up and make some messes and sin, yes, you could do it. But what he's referring to is a person who's truly been born again cannot sin willfully. You cannot be comfortable with sin. That's what it means. You are not comfortable doing it because you see the Holy Spirit has put such a value the fire of God is in you. Remember what well, the first time the fire is ever spoken of in the Bible we go back into genesis chapter three i 'm sorry Exodus three when Moses saw the burning bush and, and he turned to the bush and he came to the burning bush and there the bush was there, and out of the bush the voice of the Lord came, and the Lord spoke to, to Moses out of the burning bush, and he says, The place where you are standing is holy ground. The thing that made the place holy was God's presence. And let me just tell you, holy ground. It it didn't say faith ground or word ground, he said, holy ground. And it was the fire of God. And, and God spoke to him and he said this. He said, I want you to remove the sandals from off your feet. It's interesting that God began to speak to Moses concerning his walk. He says, I want you to remove your sandals. Now think about it. You don't go through a desert without shoes. Yet God said, I want you to take your sandals off. Do you know that when you begin, when you are led by the Holy Spirit because of the baptism, God's going to ask you at times to do some things that may not necessarily seem rational. God's going to ask you to trust Him when it may not seem right to trust Him. I want to just say right now first Corinthians 2:14 the bible says the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit for their foolishness unto him the baptism of the holy spirit at times is going to have us walk down some path that's going to require us to trust god with blind faith others may not necessarily understand it but that's how supernatural things happen Can you imagine being Moses? Can you imagine when God spoke to Moses to go and be a deliverer? God took one man and brought an entire nation to its knees because of the spirit that rested upon Moses. It was the Holy Spirit on Moses at that time. The Spirit of God went with Moses. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God never remained on men or women. It rested upon them for specific tasks that they did. It never dwelt within them like it does New Testament believers today. But we have the Holy Spirit inhabiting, dwelling in us. In fact, Jesus said in John 16 that when the Holy Spirit comes, He says that me and my Father will come and we will make our home in you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the life of God, the values of God making their home in you. Let me ask you this. Is God at home in you? Is His Word at home in you? Amen. Are you at home with miracles? How many of you think that God wants miracles to be a normal way of living? How many of you believe that God wants his ways and his attitude to be at home in us? It's amazing. One day Jesus heard from the centurion soldier. And the centurion soldier said, I have a servant that's sick. And Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house and I'll heal your servant. You know what the centurion said? He said this. No, Lord. I don't want you to come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be whole. You know what the centurion was really saying? Lord, I want you to do the miracles, but I don't want you to come into my house because I really don't want you to see how I live. That's what he was saying. I don't want you to get too close, but, but, but send the miracle. How many of you know that God wants, does, wants to do more than just send a miracle? He wants to come into your house. By the way, he's not coming in to micromanage your life. What he wants to do, he wants to come and bring his glory in your home. I don't know about you, but years ago, my wife and I made a decision. We made a decision. We made a decision to serve God. Now, we haven't lived the perfect life. I want to tell you right now, even as a father, I have not been the best father, the best husband, but thank God for the grace of God. And I want to say one thing. Is that when we made a commitment and a decision to follow the Lord, even when I haven't been faithful, God's always been faithful? The Holy Spirit has never left our house. And I want to tell you, it's amazing to have God's favor, God's fire, God's presence, God's glory, God's defense and protection. I've seen God's defense and His protection around our home, His blessing upon our home. And it's all because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jump with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, part of the baptism. Peter Peter and John, they're going into the temple to pray. It was on the ninth hour. This means that it was about early morning and they're going into the temple to pray. And it says, verse two, a certain man lame, chapter three, verse two, from his mother's womb was carried and they laid him daily at the gate, which was called beautiful to ask alms from those who entered the temple, but who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asking for alms. Notice here's a man hoping to get just some money and fixing his eyes on him with John. Peter said, look, at us. I want everyone to say that. I want everyone to say this. Look at us. I love what Peter's doing here. Peter had something inside of him that he was able to tell someone who had a need. I want you to look at me. Let's everyone say that again. Look at me. Look at me. I want you to realize that you need to start saying the same thing. I want you to look at me because I got something to give you. Listen to what he says. Listen to what Peter says. And here's the witness of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. So he gave them attention expecting to receive something. But Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you what I have. I've got something. Look at me. I've got something. That's not arrogance, folks. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know you have something? I'm here to announce the New Life Fellowship. You got something. You got something that is so powerful. You have something that is more than money. You have something that has the power to transform lives. God wants you to start thinking and start speaking to people around you. I want you to look at me because I got something for you. I got a word for you. I've got a revelation. I've got a God who can heal and restore you. When I lay my hands on you, guess what? You're going to get healed. See, we need to start speaking that kind of confidence. We're not coming up to people, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to lay hands and I hope something happens. We're not talking like that. I'm kind of, Lonnie, I got something. You're going to get healed, my friend. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. I got it. Pastor Ray, you just sound so arrogant right now. You just sound so lifted up with pride. No, it's not pride. We recognize that all we have is from him. All we are is because of him. That's not arrogance. You see, for for, for years the church has been walking around with this false sense of humility. Oh, I'm nobody. I'm just a poor, weak sinner saved by God. I just don't want to. I don't want to say anything that might get God in trouble. I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything because if I said it, might not be from God, and I don't want to say nothing. That has been an excuse the church has used to do nothing. God says, Jesus said, when He spoke to the disciples concerning the healing of, a, of the epileptic person. He said, the reason why you did not have power to heal that boy was because of your unbelief. But if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say, move into the sea, and it will go. See, we need to start speaking to mountains. People that are baptized on the Holy Ghost, they speak to mountains. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've looked at mountains, and they're pretty... They're pretty solid. They're they're pretty unmovable. But Jesus said you will speak to mountains and they will move. Now you may say, well, Pastor Ray, have you ever said that? Have you spoken? Have you ever prayed for people and they didn't get healed? Yes, I've prayed. I've spoken the word and I didn't see instant results. But here's the point. That's not my concern. Jesus said that I'm to speak to the mountain. I'm to pray to the mountain. The healing and the moving of the mountain is his problem. I am simply to obey what he says. It's not up to me. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. But he's looking for people on earth who's going to say, you know what, this mountain's going. This problem's going to dissolve. You're going to be raised up in Jesus' name. You see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit puts fire in you, puts vision in you. You become like Jesus. As He is, so are we in this earth. Uh, Let me tell you, folks, New Life Fellowship is never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. I love what happens here. It says, so they leap, He leaps up. He took him by the hand and lifted him up, verse 7, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered into the temple, and with them walking, leaping, and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what just happened. Do you know that the house of God should be a place that's filled with wonder and amazement? There should be the kind of mystery and amazement that is following our life. My Bible says signs and wonders will follow them that believe. How many of you believe? I know you believe. Now, what else is going to happen because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are you ready? Amen, praise God. <laughs> Chapter 4. Now as they spoke, verse 1, to the people, the priests, and the captains, the t- temple, and the Sadducees came, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Guess what? When you start moving out in faith, and you start doing signs and wonders, the devil's going to get mad. People may not like you. They may say, you can't do that. But guess what? Amen. Let God arise and let His enemies be scattered. Now I love it when it says down here, In verse 13, and this is part of resurrection life. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, perceived that they were uneducated and untrained, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And of course, they brought him in, they chastised him. Verse 19, Peter and John answered and said, Whether it be right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Can you say amen? I believe Garland and Dallas... And all of our other cities needs to be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have some amazing churches in the Dallas area. We do. There's a lot of amazing churches. We've got great churches. And I want to tell you right now. I think it's about time that all of us as pastors and leaders and Christians stop being divisive. We need to start getting on the right team. We need to start realizing that we're all working together, not against each other. We need to start walking in the spirit of unity, walking in love, and let's start letting our light shine. Let's let the world know that there's a God who wants to do amazing things, wants to do signs and wonders. We live in a world right now that needs some hope. We, need, we live in a world right now where there needs to be some holy boldness. Some men and women who are going to rise up and say, you know what, I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God has anointed my mouth. He's anointed me with boldness. I have a answers. I have answers for this generation. You know what, I, 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 tell, I tell people. When they come to me and say, Pastor, I... I got a brother or a sister that needs prayer and I said I, I want to bring him to the church and have you pastor pray for him. You know, guess guess what you're going to get? I'm going to say you pray for him. Yeah. yeah, but pastor, I I I haven't gone to Bible college. Thank God. You haven't been defiled. No, I'm not. I don't mean that. Some Bible colleges do more harm than good, I think. I'm going to tell you right now, if you've been touched and baptized in the Holy Spirit and the Word of the Lord is abiding in your life, there is no weapon formed against you can prosper. You have the power to pull down strongholds. You have the authority to speak to mountains. You have the power to cast out demons and unclean spirits. You have the power to heal the sick and raise the dead. And the Bible says that all the people were amazed and marveled. We need that today in the house of God. The days of singing little songs and three poems and sending you out the door are over. We're living in a time where we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People on fire, people who understand their purpose, people who know with confidence who they are, what they possess. We have the keys of the kingdom and hell and death will not separate us, not keep us from the plan and the purpose that Jesus said to the church. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I don't know about you, I I am so pumped. I am so excited because I know God has some amazing things for us. Now, listen to me. I want you to jump with me. Last scripture, I I could go on and on. Jump with me to to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. This is my closing scripture. You may say, Pastor, how how do I get baptized? How do I get filled with the Holy Ghost? Listen to what Jesus said, Luke 11, and I'm going to close here. I say unto you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open. I love what Jesus... Man, Jesus Jesus is so amazing how he's trying to send send the message. He's trying to convey the favor and, and the willingness of a father who's willing to act upon those who will ask, seek, and knock. Ask! Seek! Knock! You know what? The Lord showed me this. As so many of the people in the in the kingdom, many people today are not asking they 're not asking and they 're not seeking and many of them have already made up their mind that prayer doesn 't work. I have an announcement prayer works prayer really works prayer moves mountains. We need to get back to the fact that prayer prayer isn 't just some kind of a traditional mouthing of of words. No, you are coming before the throne of grace. Do you know that when you speak, angels are dispensed? Because there are messengers, angelic messengers, that are waiting for God's people to begin to command, begin to believe, begin to understand what they have, what they possess. And at your voice, at your voice, angels are sent. Angels are waiting In fact, do you know as a believer, do you know that every one of you have angels assigned to you? There are angels that are assigned. You know, the Lord actually gave me a vision years ago. He said, I I saw the church and there were angels that were just standing around. And I said, Lord, what's going on here? He says, they're standing around because no one's sending them. No one's praying. Do you know that when you pray, angels move like lightning? When you pray, you move entire principalities and powers. They're moved at the voice of a believer. Now Jesus said this: "For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds and him who knocks, it will be open." How many of you believe God's telling us the truth there? When you ask, you receive. When you seek, you find. When you knock, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Basically what the Lord was doing, he was dealing and he was was confronting the fragmented, broken mentality of the age. Because there were many people there that had fathers who had lied to them. Jesus was confronting the mistrust And the abuse that was taking place in a very broken society, because there are many people today that have had fathers that have let them down. They've lied to them. They've tricked them. I couldn't believe it. My wife and I saw in the news here just just recently, within a week, there was a mother taking her daughter in and helping her shoplift. Couldn't believe a mother having a daughter helping the mother shoplift together. That's sad. That's sad. And so what happens is we have a generation of people that grow up to become adults, and we never really come to trust our Heavenly Father. We really don't really know if He's going to be there because Dad was never there. But here Jesus brings a correction. Jesus brings us into an understanding that you have a Heavenly Father who will not trick you. He will not lie to you. When you ask for bread, He won't give you a scorpion. He's going to follow through. He will bless you. His intent is to do great and good things to you. Let me tell you right now, I just want to mention this in passing. It's interesting today. We all have watched the news and this whole movement of terrorism with ISIS going around the world. And in the name of Allah, they're beheading and killing people. Do you know that that has had more negative impact on the psyche of people around the world because people think that God is an angry God who wants to just dehumanize and kill people? That is not God. God is a loving God. He preserves life, He loves life. He's not out to destroy people. And see, all of that is intended, it's a demonic intent to destroy the faith and the hope of any living God. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Notice what Jesus says, verse 13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus was referring to the Holy Spirit. So how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Three things in closing. Number one, ask. You've got to ask for the Holy Spirit. Say, Father, send me the Holy Spirit. Lord, send me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of us need to do something this morning. Some of us kind of need to kind of drain our minds from a lot of the junk that has been put in there. I remember having a guy come up to me one time and says, you know, Pastor, I just don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I've had enough fire-breathing charismatics yell in my ear, telling me, just say it, just say it, just say it. He says, I got so sick and tired of charismatics yelling in my ear, giving me the Holy Ghost massage and trying to say, get the Holy Ghost. May I just help set you free from that in Jesus' name. I do not believe you coerce, force, make, massage anybody to receive the Holy Ghost. You don't need to have your neck broken, pushed down, shoved down. In fact, if anybody shoves you down, get them up and deck them one. I mean, if they're going to deck you, deck them back, say, in Jesus' name, you know, you want to break my neck, I'll knock you down. Uh, Don't do that. Take that off the tape. But I want to tell you, there's been so many things in the name of the Holy Ghost that's not of the Holy Ghost. You don't need to push anyone down. You can touch their head. You let the Holy Ghost do the work. You let the Holy Spirit be the baptizer. We don't need to break anybody's neck, push them down, shove them down, scream bad breath in their ear and tell them to talk, 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 talk. I mean, there's been so much. No wonder so many of you have come out of churches that I will never join a spiritual church. No wonder that's happened. And I want to apologize because I am a charismatic. I am a Pentecostal spirit. And that was wrong. That was wrong. It should not, that is not the right way or the approach. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never coerce. And by the way, if you have not spoken tongues, do not come under condemnation. Do you know that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And I understand tongues, yes, is part of the evidence we find in the book of Acts. But you know, there's more than just tongues. There's also the fruit of the Spirit. And there's also the gifts and there's other things. It's not just tongues. And I want to just, I just want to alleviate that pressure that came to you from people that might have meant well, but they lacked wisdom. I mean, it's really sad. There's a lot of people that have done things in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Holy Ghost, and just, they've, they've actually done more harm in pushing people away. And that's sad. The, the, the second thing that's important is we, if, it's not just asking, but we need to be yielded to Jesus. There's been many times I've prayed with people that have had either unrepented sin, maybe unforgiveness, You know, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we have unrepented sin or unforgiveness, that can hinder you from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I need to be a yielded vessel. I need my vessel to be consecrated to Him. That doesn't mean you're a perfect man, but it means you're a yielded man. And the last thing, when praying for the Holy Spirit, expect to receive. Expect you've got to ask. We yield our lives to the Lord. See, that's the only, the Holy Spirit can only work and live through yielded vessels. You know, the Holy Spirit is on your side more than you will ever know. He wants to come. He wants to make us home. He he wants to bring heaven into you he wants to bring heaven into you but that's why he wants you yielded he's not asking you to be perfect he's asking you just to yield to him amen yeah. let's stand to our feet shall we <clears throat> the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire how many here have been baptized on the Holy Ghost and praise God almost all of you there well, you know what? I believe God is gonna blow us fresh wind in this house. I believe He's gonna bring something fresh. I believe He wants to let you know. By the way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what else it is? It's the smile of heaven on you. It's God's smile on you. I want you to turn right now to someone and smile real big. And just say now, now say this heaven smiling on you. Go ahead. Say heaven smiling. Heaven smiling. Do you know that we do not have an angry God? Jesus took all of the wrath and the anger from the Father. What you get out of it is a Father who loves and He's smiling on you. He's smiling on you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the witness of resurrection power. It is the witness of the favor of the Father. It's called open heavens. It's called, this is my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm well pleased. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. He's well pleased. He's pleased. Not because of what you've done, but, but what Jesus has done. That's why he's pleased. Because of what Jesus has done. Aren't you glad it's all about him and not about you and me? It's all about it. That's what our confidence lies. Now I want everybody to close your eyes for a minute. Maybe this morning say, Pastor Ray. Wow. I need the baptism. I've never been baptized. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. I want the I want the Lord just to anoint me afresh today. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray. Okay, I see that hand. Praise God. I see that hand. Amen. I see two hands. Anyone else? Anyone? I need the baptism. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to ask some of you guys to take a bold step. If you'd like to be baptized, I love you to come down and stand here. We're going to anoint and pray with you. For those who want to, not here to embarrass you, we're going to pray with you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit. My wife's going to come, David, John, James, others, Randy. We're going to pray with you for the baptism. Amen. Now, I want everybody, I want everyone to do this. Would you raise your hand together with me? Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come down in power. Can we do that? Just for one minute, let's ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to lay hands. We're going to pray. Now just ask the Holy Spirit to come down. Father, we thank You. Lord, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray that You would baptize us afresh with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Lord, we thank You, Lord, for Your presence. We thank You for Your goodness, Lord. Lord Jesus, impart, Lord, love, joy, peace. Oh God, we ask, we seek, and we knock. We expect You, Lord, to come, Lord, and meet us, Lord, where we're at. Father, we love You. (laughs) We thank You, Lord, that You're a great God. Amen. Father, we just pray. We just pray right now, Lord. Amen. Father, we just pray you baptize our brother with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Lord Jesus, release him. Release him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.